Welcome to the When in Spain show. I'm your host, Paul Birch, and coming up in this episode, I'm going to share with you eight top tips for learning Spanish successfully. Yeah, I'm going to tell you a bit about my journey of uh, how I managed to become fluent in Spanish. Uh, I'm going to run through some of the techniques I adopted, some of the advice that I was given, um, how I found my motivation, how I managed to stick with it and uh, finally just about get to a C1 level, advanced level Spanish. So I'm going to share my eight top tips on that. As I speak to you, I'm actually standing outside the Real Academia Española, which is the Spanish Royal Academy. It's right in the centre of Madrid. A dictionary's throw from the Prado Museum and uh, it's about a block away from the Retiro Park. It's a beautiful, uh, quite small, two storeys, elegant red brick uh, building uh, with a beautiful garden at the front which is just where I'm speaking to you from now. What is this Real Academia Española? Well, it has a mission. The Spanish Royal Academy's mission is to ensure the stability and linguistic unity of the Spanish language. So this is really the ground zero of, of Spanish. It all happens here. It was founded back in 1713 and uh, it also co-publishes the Diccionario de la Lengua Española, which is the official Spanish uh, dictionary, a uh, dictionary of the Spanish language. I suppose it's a bit like the equivalent of maybe the Oxford English Dictionary. So I'm just looking up actually at the wall. There are dozens of names inscribed into little stone plaques of famous writers, poets, playwrights. You've got Lope de Vega, Cervantes, uh, Tierso, Quevedo, many, many more. There's also another well-known institution connected with the Spanish language and that's called the Instituto Cervantes, the Cervantes Institute. Uh, this is really a bit more modern, I think it was founded in the 1980s as a way of promoting the Spanish language around the world. So the Academia Real Española. So I could just imagine people scurrying around in kind of corridors and libraries and, <laughs> I don't know, underground vaults of dictionaries, grammar, um, sort of oiling the wheels of the Spanish language as I speak. Almost feel the weight of the subjunctive weighing down on me as I approach the building. So let's get into the good stuff and uh, kick off with my list of top tips. I've just uh, dashed back home, it's a bit quieter, but let's kick off with the uh, number one tip. We all ask, how can I learn Spanish? How can I learn it quickly? How can I learn it in the most sort of painless way possible? How can I learn Spanish and enjoy it? The question really isn't, how do I learn? It's why? Why am I learning Spanish? Why do I want to learn Spanish? What is my motivation to learn Spanish? As we all know, it takes a lot of work to learn a language and it's bloody difficult and a lot of time and dedication and staying power and perseverance are needed and it's a long journey. In fact, the way I look at it is it's a lifelong journey, to be honest. Uh, obviously, it depends on when you start learning. But if you're, if you're, if you, if you're starting to learn a second language like Spanish uh, as an adult, whether you're 18 or, or, or 60 or 40 or whatever age you are, um, 
it's probably going to be a project which uh, will continue for the rest of your life uh, um, in order to master a language. Um, I mean, really, to be completely bilingual in a language, you need to start the language acquisition process as a kid. I think I read you really need to be start the process at about three or four years old. But that doesn't matter. That doesn't mean you can't master a language. But finding your motivation is so important. I can't emphasize it enough. You need to find whatever it is to focus on that is your motivation to learn Spanish. Not just like, no, I, it sounds cool or yeah, I quite fancy a learning a bit of Spanish because it sounds nice or things like this. Is that really enough of a motivation to master a language? And this is what I'm talking about in this this episode. I'm talking about successfully learning Spanish uh, to, a, to a decent level, to what I would call a fluent level. If that's not your thing, then fine. And lots of people like to learn snippets of languages for fun and lyrics from songs and sayings and expressions and swear words. But what I'm talking about is how to master Spanish, okay, and how to get to a fluent level that is going to help you when you come to live here, visit here, work here, uh, settle down in a Spanish-speaking country. Find your motivation, whatever it is, and the rest will fall into place. It's like doing exercise. If I say to myself, oh, well, you know, I should get healthy, I should get fit, I should go to the gym, uh, which I've done a million times. And if I don't really have some kind of motivation, whatever it is, it's the same with a language. You need to find a really compelling motivation to learn Spanish. So if you are serious about moving to Spain in the future, don't wait until a month before you decide to move to Spain. Don't wait until you pitch up uh, here in Spain uh, and then think, oh, right, I better start learning Spanish. I mean, you can do that. Yeah, you can do that. And that's I'm not criticizing people who do that. That's fine. But start now. If you're thinking about moving to Spain, what is stopping you now starting on this journey of learning Spanish? No dejes para mañana lo que puedes hacer hoy, which means there's no time like the present. Start learning. If you're really motivated to come and live and work in Spain, then that's it. That's your motivation. Start learning. Um, from a personal point of view, that was my motivation. I knew for quite a long time, uh, for many years really, I think, before I moved to Spain, I knew deep down that I I wanted to come and live and work in Spain in the future. But that was my motivation. I was super serious about leaving the UK and building and starting a new life here in Spain. And so for me, learning Spanish wasn't a chore. You know, it's not like being forced to learn something when you're a kid at school. If you if you absolutely hate maths or you hate physics or chemistry or whatever it was, in my case, it was uh, it was maths. You're never going to perfect it. You're never going to get good at something if you're just not interested particularly. Yeah, it's always going to be a slog. It's always going to be hard work. And it's always going to be a bit of a nightmare. And in the end, you're going to end up resenting it. You end up going to, you're going to end up dreading it, hating it. And it shouldn't be like that. Some people have, I would say, maybe more of a natural ability with languages than others. Some people sort of say, no, well, I'm just useless at languages. I can't do it. I don't go along with that. I think everyone is capable of learning a language to a high level 
level is a question of how you go about it and motivation. Number two, this is something that kind of annoys me a bit. And this is something that you, I've noticed a lot of people ask me. They say, oh, wow, you live in Spain. That must be amazing. That's so cool. Um, do you speak Spanish? And I say, yeah, yeah, I speak Spanish. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but I, are you fluent? Are you fluent in Spanish? And like people seem to be obsessed with this idea of fluency. Are you fluent? Are you fluent? What does fluent or fluency even really mean? How do you define fluency? Uh, and what is fluency anyway? <laughs> um, does it mean you speak a language perfectly? Uh, does it mean you can just get by? Does it mean you make mistakes? Does it mean you speak completely like a like a native person? No. Um, there's a lot of obsession about, oh, fluency, I want to be fluent. It sounds cool if I say, oh, I'm fluent in uh, Spanish or I'm fluent in French. Um Obsessing with fluency. Don't obsess with fluency. And um, by this, I mean, don't obsess about learning too quickly. Um, I mean, fluency versus being bilingual. Uh, I'm fluent in Spanish, okay? Um, and it's taken me, well, years, years, frankly, uh, of uh, to get to this level. Um, I am uh, a C1 level on the, uh, what's called the uh, European Framework uh, I think it's called the Common European Framework of Languages. And you have A1, A2, B1, B2, C1, C2. Uh, I'm studying a Spanish course at the moment because, like I said, it's a lifelong process. Even though I'm living here, uh, I still feel that I need some kind of formal uh, classes to help me continue to learn. So I'm studying for C1 at the moment. My Spanish is more or less at a C1 level. Fluency, what is it? Fluency is speaking, communicate, being able to communicate comfortably in just about any kind of range of situations and subjects, more or less. I would say that makes you fluent. You might still make mistakes. In fact, you probably will almost certainly still make mistakes, even though you're fluent. There might be small mistakes, uh, pronunciation mistakes, grammatical mistakes, but you will still make mistakes. But that doesn't mean that you're not fluent. You are still fluent if you can communicate and you can make yourself understood and you can understand in a, a huge range of, uh, of, of, of situations and you can survive uh, comfortably without, uh, without having any kind of blocks in communication. Uh, and that might mean also, for example, you might dream in Spanish occasionally, as, as, as happens to me sometimes. You will have the level where you can tell jokes in Spanish, you can understand jokes in Spanish, those kind of subtleties in everyday, in everyday language uh, that you can deal with. Uh, you might, you know, have a level enough where you can have a relationship with someone uh, in Spanish uh, where the other person uh, doesn't speak English, for example. Now, that's different to being bilingual. Bilingual is really what we would call a, a, having the, a native language level of the language. Uh, unless you came to live in Spain or a Spanish-speaking country uh, from the age of maybe three or four years and you went to nursery school and you went to primary school and you had all of your educational career here and you grew up with, uh, surrounded by Spanish people, um, yeah, then you would probably be bilingual. You would have the perfect accent. Uh, no one would be able to tell whether you were Spanish 
or English or not. And I've seen this and it's amazing to see. I fly back to the UK uh, a, a few times a year, quite often. And quite often um, on the aeroplane or at the airport, I see these uh, bilingual families where a, a Spaniard has married uh, a Brit and they've had children together and the children speak maybe to the dad in English and they speak to their mum in Spanish. And just seeing this uh, this this, this uh, switching between languages is incredible because when they speak Spanish, they could be totally Spanish. You would never guess that they were English. And when they speak English, they sound totally English. Uh, and it's amazing. Going back to what I was saying about learning too quickly. So, yeah, we're, we're, uh, this is the problem today. Yeah? We live in a fast-paced world. There's a lot of emphasis on instant gratification. I want to know how to learn. I want to know how to speak Spanish fluently. Yeah, now already yeah i don't want to invest hours months years of my time doing it i just want to know how to do it this this is a fallacy frankly you are not going to learn a language to a high level or or even a half decent level overnight but don't beat yourself up about it. You know, it's just one of those things. It's not possible. Um, it kind of annoys me, you know, these books that say Spanish in, in Spanish in 30 days. Or um, there are a lot of YouTubers. There are a lot of people on social media saying, oh, I learned to speak uh, three languages in, in three months. Or I learned to speak Spanish fluently in three months. I'm sorry, but it's it's bullshit. <laughs> it's not true, really. Unless that person uh, had some kind of uh, very, very strong background background in the language already, you, you're not going to learn to speak a language fluently in, in from scratch in in a couple of months. Not even in a, in a in probably a couple of years, if we're honest about it. No one really has got uh, time to dedicate to language learning. 12 hours a day, seven days a week, month after month after month for year after year. Maybe if you did have <laughs> luxury, you could be approaching fluency uh, uh, quicker than many people. But this idea of I want to learn, uh, know how to speak a language now quickly, don't get sucked into it. Patience is absolutely key. You know, it's like anything that's worth doing in life. It takes time. It takes dedication. I'm not saying don't set yourself goals. And I'm going to talk a bit about that uh, later in the show. So just going back to this idea of levels, there is a framework of levels and there's A1 and A2, which is a beginner level. Then you have B1 and B2, which is lower and upper intermediate. And then you have C1 and C2. And uh, C1, well, C2 is is really considered, you've mastered the language at C2 level, called proficiency, a bilingual standard. C1, which is what I'm studying at the moment, is advanced or operational proficiency. Lots of people have crunched the numbers and said that if you're uh, looking for uh, a kind of tourist grasp of a language, which is sort of A1, you know, asking for asking for directions, ordering a coffee, these kinds of things. You're going to need something along the lines of 80 to 100 hours of study to attain uh, a kind of very basic tourist, what you might call tourist uh, Spanish, you know, to get by as a tourist visiting uh, a Spanish-speaking country. Uh, a working knowledge, uh, which is a kind of get by in most situations, uh, is a kind of somewhere between an A2 and a B1 level. And uh, the estimates for that are around 200 to 400 hours of study. Um, so 200 hours for A2, 400 hours for a B1, which is a kind of lower intermediate level. For a higher level, um, upper intermediate, 
B2 going into C1, which is, like I said before, advanced or operational proficiency, as they call it. You're looking at 550 to around 1,000 hours of study. So 1,000 hours of study for the C1 and then on a sliding scale down to around 500 hours for upper intermediate B2. Now, this for me is where I would say people become fluent at around the B2 level uh, and going into the C1 level. Okay, tip number three, make it bite size. Make your learning bite size. Break it down into small digestible chunks, okay? Um, I work uh, part of the time as, a, as an English teacher here in Madrid and, uh, you know, I get a lot of questions from students who are thinking of signing up to courses and they have like really huge questions like how can I learn how can I learn English uh, how can I perfect my English how can I uh, I want to speak English perfectly how can I do it how can I do it quickly how can I speak like you how can I speak like a native and you're like whoa you know these are you know huge 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 sort of goals which we need to break down <laughs> and it's the same obviously with any language and it's the same with learning spanish um a lot of people make the mistake of setting themselves huge huge goals which are just like insurmountable so they might say right i want to speak fluent spanish by next year or i want to be uh, a level b1 within 6 months or or i just want to learn spanish really well or i want to learn how to speak like a native and blah, blah, blah. Anything, what you need to break it down and set yourself more achievable goals. And this is the key thing, achievable goals. Um, as, as I said earlier, it is definitely really important to be ambitious, but you also need to have like mini goals and little milestones along the way. And you need to break all of this down into lots of little chunks of information. At a beginner's level, you might think I want to familiarize myself with certain sets of vocabulary, which is also, you know, as we know, very common in language learning, you know, days of the week, colors, foods, fruits, vegetables, household items, blah, blah, blah. Things like that. You have to start small. You have to start drawing up little lists of things that you want to do. Incidentally, when I was learning Spanish at a very basic level, I used to stick post-it notes on everything in Spanish. Breaking things down. Do you want to sort of think, right, I need to choose 10... Uh, 10 of the most useful or commonly used verbs in Spanish. Uh, have, be, go, eat, drink, think. Pick 10 verbs and learn them in the present tense only. Then extend it to 20 verbs and learn them in the present tense only. At a higher level, you need to start obviously breaking down grammar rules and thinking about how you're going to digest them and setting smaller goals um, that way. So you kind of have to adopt a filtering process. And I think you need to adopt a filtering process throughout the language journey, whether you're a beginner or you're an intermediate or you're advanced. Uh, a filtering process which sort of prioritizes the pieces of language, whether it's uh, vocabulary or grammar or phrases uh, and these kinds of things. Things, okay um, you know if you're a beginner level you're not going to be interested in you know there's no point in learning uh, really uh, specific and advanced uh, verbs still even at my level at C1 I'm still learning as I'm going a lot of the time I mean there are lots of things you don't always spend your time sitting down learning really specific vocabulary you know I am 
doing that more and more now in my Spanish classes at this level. But, you know, until now, not really. You don't sit, I have never sort of sat down and thought, right, I must learn uh, the Spanish for all of the different types of diseases or uh, illnesses and ailments. But when you, uh, when you, when you get ill and let's say you have tonsillitis or strep throat or whatever it is, and you have to go to the doctor, that is when you learn the vocabulary. That is when you need to uh, start learning specific vocabulary and you use it in a context. And that kind of helps you remember it as well. So in everyday situations like that. Tip number four, accent and confidence. Right now, this is quite an interesting one. And I think this is actually more important than a lot of people think. I suppose if you're learning Spanish or if you're living here already or you're thinking of coming to move and live here, arguably you are going to be using Spanish predominantly for spoken communication. If that is the case, then this is much more important than you think. Accent and confidence in how you speak. Now, you could have a really good level of grammar, a really rich vocabulary of words, but if you're not saying them in a way that's kind of understandable, um, then it doesn't really matter how good your grammar is or how good your vocabulary uh, is, because if you can't make yourself understood. Now, a lot of <laughs> a lot of people have a bit of a phobia of doing this because they think, oh, I feel stupid trying to, you know, speak in the accent or, you know, and I, I know I know quite a few people who have got a fantastic level of Spanish um, but still basically speak like hola que tal si uh, me llamo Paul uh, soy de Inglaterra uh, tengo 39 años uh, and things like this and he kind of it makes me flinch a bit because I think really, and I'm not talking about beginners or lower intermediate, but certainly once you get to a level, an advanced level of Spanish, and especially when you start spending more time in Spain and you uh, are exposed all the time to the accent and how Spanish people speak, um, I think it actually really, really helps in your communication to really try and adopt the accent as much as possible. Mimic the accent. Um, you know, if I look at it the other way around, um, you know, if I think of Spanish people in the UK and I'm not singling anyone out and I've got a lot of Spanish friends who live in the UK and they all speak fantastic English and they do have good accents. But, you know, you come across Spaniards who have a fantastic level of English, but they, when they go to try and communicate in the UK, for example, they're not understood very well and they're not understood very clearly. You know, they might be, yeah, I know, uh, I work in my job and I quite enjoy it. I've been working there for about two years. Now, I'm not taking the piss out of Spanish people and how they speak, but you, you see what I mean. Whereas if a, um, I like, I know Spanish people who speak English and they speak with a really, uh, they really try and emphasize, they really try and make the effort to imitate or almost mimic or adopt the English accent when they speak and it you know you can understand them amazingly well and everyone thinks wow your English is absolutely fantastic you don't speak with a really strong accent and yes and you speak like the it, it makes such a difference and of course the other way around if you're a giri here in Spain speaking Spanish si hablas así todo el tiempo and uh, really you just uh, basically speaking accent, uh, speaking Spanish with an English sort of quasi-English accent. Um, I think uh, when a Spanish person hears that in a, in, a, in a given situation, for example, like in a bar or a restaurant, I think a Spanish pe person automatically thinks, oh, oof, 
Okay, accentazo. You know, what a strong accent this person's got. They they definitely, you know, they probably don't have a very good level of language, of Spanish. Um, this is going to be difficult. And I think, you know, in a way, you kind of, they kind of switch off a bit. I don't know if they're going to really invest in you as much or <laughs> take you as seriously, let's say. Whereas if you, you know, speak, really try and emphasize the accent, but maybe you're still making a few uh, small mistakes or grammatical mistakes or, you know, maybe the accent's not perfect perfect but you're trying to push the accent a bit more so i know it's a bit difficult and people say oh i can't no i can't do that uh you know i can't learn another accent we can we all mimic each other in lots of different ways uh english people love to take the piss out of how people speak and accents is no different you've just got to get your head you've just got to get over it and get your head around it that mimicking mimicking an accent or trying to adopt a spanish accent when you're speaking isn't weird isn't strange don't feel self-conscious about it practice it repeat it make yourself sound convincing i seriously believe in my experience your accent will affect how native speakers native spanish speakers will perceive you the moment you start speaking they will think ah okay this guy yeah he's not spanish but he can he, you know he sounds like he he can uh, hold his own uh, i've noticed it's it's worked for me uh, compared to my early days of speaking Spanish. How you can do this? Listening and practice. Listening and mimicking. If you have any access to Spanish speakers, look at their mouths when they speak. Copy the mouth movements. Move your mouth to copy or mimic the different combination of sounds. As many of you may know already, the vowels in Spanish don't really change. Uh, like in English, where it is just a, e, i, o, u. And that's it. Yeah, and we've got some other things like the double L, which is like the Y, and we've got the uh, the one which is probably the most difficult for uh, non-Spanish, spe non-native speakers of Spanish is the R, the double R, the R, and then the single R, which is like the R. Um, and also the consonants are a bit softer as well, so it's not T, it's T, and not D, but D, uh, these kinds of things. The, this is important, you know, uh, I think, you know, obviously you need grammar, vocabulary, phrases, you need, you need to know how to uh, fit all of this language together. But don't underestimate accents uh, and, and how confident you come across when you use the accent. OK, so that wraps up. Uh, part one of this episode we're going to have a little break and in part two i'm going to bring you my last four top tips for learning spanish successfully and also at the end of the episode i'm just going to do a run through of um a few books for learning spanish which i've used over the years and some of them i, st I still use actually really useful for improving your spanish but before we get to that, just a few uh, small announcements I'd like to make. When in Spain is also available now as a, uh, a video format. And uh, when in Spain, we have now got our own YouTube channel where I will be regularly posting videos. As for the podcast, which you are currently listening to, and thank you for that. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, all of the main podcast platforms. Uh, so whatever 
podcast platform you're listening on please subscribe another thing that really helps and i'd be really really grateful if you could do it and it really gives the show a boost and helps people find the show and that is to give a little positive <laughs> rating if you enjoy the show and a little review as well if you have times when in spain is available on all of the usual social media hangouts you can find when in spain on facebook where there is a facebook page and via the page you can join for free the when in spain group uh, there's around approaching 300 members on there at the moment it's a great place to show to share any of your questions uh, queries about life in spain share any photos content articles anything you find interesting about spain and of course a way of socializing meeting and commenting with other when in spain fans we're also on Instagram. If, if you love photography as much as I do, the When in Spain Instagram page, I regularly upload photos that I take during my day-to-day uh, -day life here in Spain. And if you'd like to get in touch with me directly by email, you can ping me a message at wheninspain1 at outlook.com. That's wheninspain1 at outlook.com if you have any questions uh, any suggestions or feedback about the show uh, or if you're interested in collaborating uh, with the show in some way please get in touch on the email uh, just before we get into part two, a big thank you to all of the regular listeners and all of you that continue to uh, subscribe uh, to the show. Uh, I had some really exciting news this last week, actually. Uh, the When in Spain show was actually the number one travel podcast on iTunes uh, in Spain. Also, uh, it made the top 20 uh, travel podcasts in the UK as well. So wherever you're listening from, for those of you listening in Spain and for those of you listening in the UK, a huge thank you for continuing to listen because it's really pushed us up the charts in the last week or two. A huge thank you for that. I'm super grateful. Okay, so let's crack on with part two of this episode, how to learn Spanish successfully, according to me. <laughs> well, according to me and lots of research I've done and other people I've spoken to. So uh, tip number five, immerse yourself in the language if you can. Go to the country, speak to Spaniards. Immersion works wonders on your language and you will notice a huge difference. Now, I know it's not practical for everyone to say, right, I'm going to up and go on a two-week holiday to Spain and practice my Spanish. Um, and I know that uh, it's uh, not practical for everyone to go and spend uh, months and months in Spain. But there are different ways to immerse yourself. Uh, wherever you are, I'm sure there are probably native Spanish speakers. Um, so you can hang out with them. You can make friends with them try and spend less time with English speakers. Uh, I did this a lot in the UK uh, before I moved to Spain. I built up a network of Spanish friends. I did that through uh, things called intercambios, intercambios, which uh, is a language exchange where you meet up with a group of Spanish speakers and a group of English speakers and you just hang out together and chat in your respective languages. So you might do one hour speaking in English together and you might do one hour speaking in Spanish together. Uh, I did this 
those for a couple of years before I moved to Spain. I found it really beneficial. It helped improve my Spanish um, a lot. It taught me a lot of kind of colloquial and, uh, you know, street Spanish, uh, which I'll come on to in a minute. Um, and through doing it, I made a really great network of Spanish friends who I'm still in touch with, many of whom are now have now moved back to Spain. And, uh, you know, I've been invited to their weddings, their birthdays, to meet their families. And we've become really close friends. So just because you can't go to a Spanish speaking country doesn't mean you can't try and make Spanish friends and spend time with them. Intercambios, I think, happen in most uh, big towns and cities around the world in all, all sorts of different languages, not just uh, Spanish. Um, so if you want to pra practice your speaking, these are a fantastic way of doing so. Uh, indeed, if you're already here in Spain, there are zillions of intercambios all over Spain in every town and city. Uh, you just need to get on the internet, uh, start Googling and having a look. If you want to set up a one-to-one -one, uh, Spanish uh, intercambio, which I also did. In fact, it's how I met uh, my now uh, fiancé, uh, Karina. Um, there's a website called Conversation Exchange uh, where you can just put a short advert about yourself, your interests, your hobbies, your level of Spanish, and people can contact you directly and you can arrange to meet up um, you know, once a week, have a cup of coffee, go for a beer, and that's another way to do a, like a one-to-one -one, uh, intercambio as well. But be careful because you might end up falling in love and, uh, and getting, <laughs> getting married to the person. So there are ways to immerse yourself in Spanish language before you move to Spain. And of course, after you've moved to Spain. So if you're listening and you're already here in Spain, my Spanish has improved no end by living here uh, full time, which I guess is a no brainer, really. Obviously, it's going to improve in some ways. And of course, you know, day to day living in Spain, when you first get here, you have to survive. So <laughs> survival becomes really your biggest motivation, as I was talking earlier about motivations. Once you get here, your motivation may shift and actually learning how to get by and survive in everyday situations, that becomes your motivation. People say that you can learn a language by osmosis, by just simply being here in Spain, you will uh, instantly improve your, your Spanish level. Not true. Some things you will pick up by osmosis, but not a huge amount. You know, just sitting around in Spain isn't going to get your language level up. You need to interact with Spanish people and this means talking to them hanging out with them spending time with them making friends uh, with Spaniards or Spanish speakers uh, or even you know uh, other nationalities that are here for the same reason maybe um, and, and you know can practice Spanish uh, with them um, it's really important to get the exposure to Spanish um, I you know, I do know people um, who've come to live here in Spain or have lived in Spain in the past um, who've managed to live here for quite, uh, you know, decent ch ch decent chunks of time, maybe uh, six months, a year, two years. And at the end of their time here um, or during their time here really made very little effort to to interact in Spanish uh, to improve their Spanish. So, yeah, obviously it is possible to live and exist here in Spain uh, with a very low level of Spanish or um, a very basic level of Spanish. Is that really the point of coming to live and work in another country just to hang around with people speaking English? 
um, shut yourself away from 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 the language. Um, for me, and I think for most people, really, the language is really part and parcel of the whole experience and the whole idea of coming to live uh, in a different country. You know, if you're prepared, if you're not prepared to really make any effort, um, you know, you're just really going to end up living in a kind of well, on the periphery of the culture, society, you're going to miss out on so much by uh, not making any effort to to interact and uh, speak Spanish. Um, so I think it's super important. Um, having a good level of Spanish and living in Spain for me has opened up so many doors, allowed me to build so many friendships, which have then taken me into like the deep corners of Spain, which I never would have ever experienced had I just never really bothered to speak, learn Spanish and uh, integrate with Spanish people. You know, whether it's getting invited to ferias and festivals, Spanish weddings, christenings, getting to spend time in the bosom of Spanish families. It's just an amazing experience. If you're not uh, prepared to speak Spanish or integrate uh, when you're here, you're never going to get any of that and you'll just end up really hanging around with other English speakers in kind of, uh, you know, I hate the word expat, but like immigrant or or, or giddy, <laughs> giddy bubbles. That certainly for me is not what I wanted to do. And like I said, the whole idea of this episode is if you want to learn Spanish successfully and get to the level of Spanish where you're going to start mastering the language and become fluent uh, in Spanish. So exposure to real Spanish is really important. So if you make friends with Spaniards, you're here in Spain or in your home country, you're going to learn colloquialisms, euphemisms, you're going to learn how to swear in Spanish really well, you're going to learn all of the kind of sounds and noises that Spaniards make when they speak and, you know, you're going to become almost more Spanish, you're going to start speaking Spanish like a Spaniard speaks Spanish. Um, you're going to get exposure to all different types of accents, of which there are many in Spain, as there are in many countries. Um, so, you know, people are not, Spanish people are not going to necessarily speak like your Spanish teacher speaks or uh, like the uh, audio course that you're listening to. So getting the real on-the-ground exposure to, to real Spanish, different people, different accents, really helps, again, uh, develop your level Another thing I will just finally say on this point of immersion, you will become good at guessing and getting the gist and trying to get uh, the understanding from the context of situations. And this becomes a really important skill. Now, again, this goes back to what I said earlier about, you know, you're allowed to make mistakes, uh, even as you uh, advance on your language learning journey, and you become uh, better and better and better, you're still going to make mistakes. And you just have to accept that. And there are always going to be situations where there are bits of vocabulary that you don't know. And you might be standing with a group of your Spanish friends, and they're talking about something, and you're thinking, I've got no bloody idea what they're really talking about. But this skill at guessing, getting the gist, uh, putting things into context um, is a really important skill to hone. And even for me, it's still now, after uh, several years in Spain and with a fluent level of Spanish, it's really important. So try and develop that skill and practice it. Um, and it's a skill that really you develop from very early on in the language learning journey uh, that, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're guessing context a lot. But just be aware that you will continue to do that and it doesn't just suddenly disappear overnight. 
Tip number six, create learning routines. Create learning routines, okay? Now, I know we all kind of moan and (laughs) hate the idea of routines in our lives, but really, with a language learning, you know, you've got to make it a routine. And, you know, hey, you can make it a routine. That is fun. Um, But you've got to make language learning uh, and, you know, learning Spanish, exposing yourself to Spanish, you've got to make it a habit. Don't do what I used to do at the beginning when I started learning. Spanish and probably until I got to a like low intermediate level I used to dedicate myself to these mammoth study sessions you know I'd spend a whole uh, weekend thinking right this weekend it's it's a shitty cold horrible weather outside I'm going to shut myself away all weekend and just study Spanish and I'm going to try and cram as much information into my head as possible and then uh, and then do nothing after that for weeks or even months afterwards and then another mammoth session and then nothing you will learn something that way but it's not the most efficient way to learn um, well to learn anything as you probably all know Uh, little and often is the way to really make progress so I would say if you can try and dedicate uh, a little bit of time every day to Spanish even if it's just 10 minutes ideally if you can put aside half an hour Uh, every day or at least uh, several times a week uh, you're going to make so much more progress. I would also say be meticulous uh, about your language learning. You are not merely a learner, you are really a researcher. If you found your motivation and you really want to learn Spanish uh, to a high level, you've got to think about the whole process as, as research. You are researching a language, you are researching a culture almost through the language. So, you know, be open to Spanish and be inquisitive about Spanish all the time. If you're sitting on a bus and you look out the window and you see something and you think, oh, I wonder what that is in Spanish or what is that in Spanish? Or indeed, I want to know what that is in Spanish. Do it. Look up words. Write them down. Um, I used to do this... um, uh, a lot and I and I still do it but perhaps a bit less now than I did before um, which I probably shouldn't I should continue doing it as much I used to all the time every day various bits of vocabulary it might have been a verb it might be a little expression and I used to think to myself, oh how, how would you say that in Spanish um, word reference this is a ma- an amazing free resource to use um, if you don't have word reference uh, downloaded on your phone do it it's completely free it is a fantastic uh, dictionary um, and it has everything and it's free and it's basically in your pocket all the time because it's on your phone word reference there's also a website as well so you can use it on uh, on your computer i found this so useful you can type in anything words verbs expressions and it will come up with obviously the translation and the great thing about it is it gives you uh, a couple of example sentences for context as well Um, and then on the word reference dictionary if you you know you find the dictionary entry and then if you scroll down sometimes there'll be like a thread where people have talked about how this particular word is used and maybe the different meanings of the word or the different meanings of the word in different parts of the Spanish speaking world is really useful it's got everything on there you would probably ever need to know I used to look up words and then what I used to do is screenshot the word reference page where the translation was given and examples Uh, and I used to do this probably most days and at the end of the week I used to have I know maybe 20 screenshots 
stored on my phone and, and I used to take some time each week to sit down and kind of study the vocabulary that I'd collected during the week. And I'm quite old fashioned. I still like, you know, using a pen and a pencil or pen and paper when, when possible. And I used to make little vocabulary lists uh, from the screenshots I'd made from word reference uh, at the end of each week. And I'd see there in black and white on a notepad, a list of vocabulary, and then I would try and commit it to memory. Um, I really recommend you do this and uh, at least, uh, you know, get word reference on your phone and start using it and typing in words. It's so useful. It's completely free. Another thing which I would kind of describe as a routine is if you do have Spanish-speaking friends or, for example, if you uh, have uh, a Spanish uh, into and a Spanish intercambio, don't be afraid to ask uh, people to repeat, repeat, repeat. I know sometimes we feel a bit embarrassed and we just let things go over our head. Make it a learning routine that if something is said in Spanish by uh, to you and you don't understand what it is, don't just let it go. Stop the person and don't be afraid to ask them to repeat it or if they know, translate it and explain what, what, what it means. Other learning routines. Um, well, of course, as I said, speaking uh, if you can find intercambios, if you're already in Spain, uh, try and find, uh, spend time every day speaking in Spanish to Spanish friends. You have to keep speaking as much as possible. It's not just a one way, you know, it's a productive as well. You've got to produce the language and that's a great way of, of, re of remembering and reinforcing uh, what you've learnt. Audio, radio, podcasts, listening to uh, content in Spanish, absolutely. And also watching content in Spanish, TV, films, series, that kind of thing. Uh, I would suggest every day, if you have time, or at least maybe set aside some time on a regular basis, e basis each week, to either watch or listen to some kind of Spanish media. Now, this can be anything you like in theory. Uh, and this is the great thing about it, because it doesn't feel like learning. Learning. You can just choose things that you're interested in. You can choose things that you enjoy. It could be a TV series. It could be films. Um, it could be documentaries. Uh, those kinds of things. Now, you know, my advice would be a good thing uh, once you get to a sort of intermediate level is start watching or listening to news programs. Uh, really useful. Also gives you a cultural insight. It will boost your vocabulary. It will expose you to a more formal style of language that you might not get just talking to friends. Um, also, uh, yeah, series. Uh, you can uh, now on Netflix, if you have Netflix, uh, you can put the subtitles in uh, English or Spanish. So if you've got a lower level, you might want to watch a Spanish film and have the subtitles in English. But if you've got a higher level, and what I do, and I still do this quite often, is I have the subtitles displayed in Spanish. So I am almost matching the words on the screen with the words that I hear. And it's a good way sometimes if someone's speaking very quickly, they've got a strong accent, or even if your level is not bad, but it's not quite up there yet, uh, a way of uh, uh, learning vocabulary by hearing and matching it to um, to the written words, uh, really useful. Uh, one thing I will say, and a lot of my students uh, that I teach say this, that I say, do you do you practice listening? Because obviously they have listening exams. I say, do you know? Do you listen to any English media? And they say, no, just watch movies, watch movies. And I think watching films and series is is good. 
uh, it's you know it's certainly uh, not a bad thing at all. Um, but I often find that watching films and series with subtitles. Um, is maybe not as beneficial for practicing your listening as, say, listening to a podcast in Spanish or a radio program in Spanish and that kind of thing. I think uh, sometimes um, the there is less dial the dialogue is less dense on films, obviously, because there's a lot more visual element to it and action and this kind of thing. I think a really good kind of quite intense way to practice listening to Spanish is radio or audio. Uh, something that is designed to be only listened to. Um, that's just my my opinion. I'm not saying that TV and film series is not a great way to learn, and it really is. Um, but I would say if you really, really want to practice your listening, try and find, and there are tons, and you don't forget, you can also do this anywhere. You don't have to be in front of a screen. Find Spanish podcasts, find Spanish radio programs, uh, any kind of Spanish audio. Uh, there are tons and tons and tons of these available uh, everywhere, and you can listen to them on the go wherever you are. Spanish music is another one. I used to listen to loads of Spanish music when I was living in the UK. I asked my Spanish friends to recommend me groups and bands, etc. And whenever I was on the bus to work or walking or whatever, uh, I used to listen to uh, Spanish music. And a lot of the Spanish music I used to really enjoy. So I used to repeat, you know, listen to the songs again and again and again. And it's a great way to uh, uh, learn vocabulary. Um, as well and very enjoyable and Spanish you know when people sing actually they tend to uh, you know sing more slowly than they speak sometimes so again it's sometimes actually easier to understand and pick out words and vocabulary uh, in songs than it is when you're listening to normal spoken audio Point number seven. Uh, well I think this applies to really learners who have kind of reached quite a kind of good level, maybe a sort of intermediate, upper intermediate level of Spanish. Um, it is resist the temptation to fossilize. Yeah, I think this is a term used, uh, you know, to fossilize, to become like a fossil, really, to stop growing or moving. Don't let yourself fossilize uh, with Spanish. What I mean by that is you can kind of fall into the, well, I can just get by with what I already know, you know. And you fall into this trap, this I can just get by trap. Um, I'm guilty of this up until, you know, a couple of years ago, I thought, no, I need to keep moving forward with my Spanish and improving it. You know, you can get to a certain comfortable level where you think I can get by more or less quite well in, in most situations. I don't really need to make the effort to keep really continue with the language journey. I don't really need to bother with the subjunctive. What's that? No, I don't need it. can get away without using it. OK, to a point it's true. But like I've said all the way uh, through this podcast, uh, you know, this is about really uh, mastering a language. This is about becoming, uh, getting to the point where you hang out with Spanish people and they are blown away with your Spanish because they think, well, you speak Spanish like us. You speak Spanish like almost like a Spanish native. And this is what I'm talking about here. Um, I'm kind of of the opinion, what's the point in doing something in a kind of half-assed way, you know? Fair enough if, you don't, if you're not going to live in Spain. Maybe if you just want to spend a bit of time in Spain, you know, a couple of times a year, or you like coming on holiday to Spain. Okay, fair enough. Maybe it's not necessary. I think if you're going to live in Spain and try and integrate as much as possible, 
you know, keep learning Spanish, keep improving your Spanish, keep taking it to the next level. Don't fall into the let yourself fossilize. Uh, you know, I've got to I've got to be one or I've got to be two. Ah, screw it. I'm just going to stay at this level now and turn into a and turn into a fossil um, because, you know, I don't really need to. I can get by um, just as I am. OK, it's up, it's up to the individual um, and people can survive like this for a long time and i think the trouble is though the longer it goes on uh the harder it is then to start defossilizing and and moving forward again and when you fossilize all you're doing is you're basically saying i'm just going to keep making the same mistakes i'm just going to limit myself to to this level of language and that's it um which i think is kind of a waste of an opportunity and kind of a shame especially if you're living in spain um you know but ask yourself you know is that what you want Another thing I think that's really important to uh, to mention is that we're talking, you know, talking about fossilizing, kind of stopping and not moving forward. That actually, you know, what you will uh, go through phases in your language learning journey, learning Spanish, where you will kind of plateau, and it happens to me still now, and it happens quite can happen quite regularly. Definitely happened to me quite often in the past. Um, where you go through periods where you just feel like you're not making any progress. Um, in fact, you know, sometimes I had periods where I thought my Spanish was actually getting worse uh, rather than getting better. Don't get uh, dissuaded by this. It's really common. Most language learners I've spoken to, we, everyone, also, they all say the same thing. You know, it's not a perfectly uh, linear and uh, upward journey. Yeah, sometimes you're going to plateau. You might plateau for months. You might go through months where you're just in the doldrums and, you know, you've been making progress until, except sometimes you don't and you stop making progress and you can't really do anything about it. It's just, it just happens. Even though you're continuing to study and learn, um, you know, you may go through a a period where you just lack a bit of motivation, which is normal, yeah, and you plateau or you kind of regress slightly and then it passes and then you start progressing again and moving forward. Um, Totally normal, Um, you know, just don't get dissuaded and more importantly, don't mean, don't use that as a reason to stop learning, yeah. Don't fossilize. Number eight, last point here. Um, it's an obvious one and it's a simple one, but, you know, some people think they can uh, learn a language without doing it. Learn the grammar, okay? It's boring sometimes. Uh, it's a bit uh, heavy. It can be difficult. Um, of course, it is. If you're going to master a language, if you want to learn Spanish and speak Spanish fluently, there's no way around it. You've got to sit down dedicate time to learning the grammar understanding how it works now you know my person personally i would um advise this is where taking classes comes in really useful when you get to a certain level and you think oh i don't understand i don't really understand the difference between the the past simple and the uh the imperfect and things like this when do i use one and when do i not use the other now there are zillions of resources on the internet for explaining these differences youtube channels all of this and there are loads of books as well um but i think it's always really useful and it helps you uh make sense of it in um in an easier way is if you have someone teaching you uh grammar as well um but again also grammar is something that you is quite uh, mechanical in many ways and it's a case of sitting down with a grammar book and just 
learning, rote learning, repeating, you know, verbs, tenses, verbs, tenses. You've got to learn the grammar, really. Some people say, oh, yeah, I don't really need to learn the grammar. Just learn a few phrases and vocabulary. That's the most important thing. Yeah, true. People can get by with just always speaking in the present tense. I, I wouldn't say that's speaking Spanish successfully. So that's my last point. It's a very simple one and it's a fairly obvious one, but sometimes people think they can get away with learning a language without learning their grammar. Not the case. In your native language, do you speak without grammar? No, you may not be aware you're using it, but you are, obviously. Um, okay, to round off the show then, um, I just wanted to talk about specifically books, actually, which I've used, which I found really, really useful uh, for language learning. Now, I'm, I'm afraid the books I'm going to sort of recommend are really for sort of intermediate levels and above. It's been a long time, I'm afraid, since I studied sort of beginner's Spanish. Now, uh, I do remember when I was uh, studying beginner's Spanish, I think I used to use a lot of BBC uh, materials. Uh, there are BBC online materials, the BBC website, uh, accessible from all over the world. Fantastic range of materials on there. I think when I first started learning Spanish, I used uh, a selection of BBC books. Uh, which were available in the UK. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail about the beginner's level, I'm afraid. I'm sorry to say, maybe in a future podcast. Uh, what I am going to say is, uh, what I am going to give is some recommendations for books for intermediate and above learners, which help kind of keep, help to kind of keep pushing your uh, momentum, your language learning level up. Um, I know there are many, many online resources which uh, are quite easy to find through Googling, uh, whether they're YouTube channels, whether they are uh, apps on your phone, uh, blogs. There are tons. Uh, I'm not going to dedicate time to that today. What I want to do, and of course, because this episode is from my point of view, this is how I learn Spanish. And I did use online resources and I did use podcasts, etc, etc. But I, these are the books that I used regularly, which I found really useful. So I'm just going to run through them quickly. Um, there's one called Speed Up Your Spanish and it's called Strategies to Avoid Common Errors. Uh, it's published by Routledge and it's by Javier Munoz Basols and uh, Marianne uh, David. Marianne David, uh, Javier Munoz Basols and Marianne David. Speed up your Spanish strategies to avoid common errors. Um, it's a small ish, uh, I don't know, it's about a 200 page paperback book. The great thing about it is it gives you lots of example dialogues. Uh, written with mistakes and the correction. So it's things like mastering uh, false friends with verbs and nouns, uh, misused words, uh, idiomatic expressions, words that don't exist in Spanish or words that have double meanings. There's a bit about uh, spelling and pronunciation as well. Uh, really useful. I use that a lot. It's very dog-eared now. Uh, the other one that uh, is really useful that I use a lot is called Spanish Grammar in Context. Spanish Grammar in Context by Juan Catan Ibarra and Angela Hawkins. It's again published by Routledge. Um, and again, this, well, it kind of does exactly what it says on the tin. It goes through all, uh, all of the elements of Spanish Grammar. And in each chapter, so for example, one chapter might just be the first chapter is the present tense. And it 
takes the present tense and it gives you uh, clippings from newspapers and it analyzes the grammar in the newspaper. So the real newspaper clippings are taken from real newspapers or magazines and it focuses on one element of grammar and then it kind of analyzes it in the text and then it picks out all of the pieces and explains how it's used and then after that it explains the kind of grammar rule and then it gives you a series of exercises to use the grammar uh, really good i mean it's just such a simple idea but really really effective spanish grammar in context by juan catan um juan catan ibarra and angela hawkins uh another one i used uh, a lot was one called Spanish Among Amigos. Spanish Among Amigos. Uh, its uh, subtitle is Conversational Spanish Beyond the Classroom. And it does seem a bit strange thinking learning conversational Spanish from a book and not from, you know, talking to people. Uh, again, but it's useful. It's got realistic dialogues uh, for casual conversations uh, and it sort of introduces idiomatic language, euphemisms, swear words, and, uh, and then it uh, sort of builds, kind of collates the vocabulary from the various dialogues and then gives you little uh, exercises to practice it. And the good thing about it, it also looks at Spanish from South America, uh, different ways of saying things in different South American countries. It is by uh, Nuria Agullo, published by McGraw-Hill. And finally, um, <laughs> probably the most boring one of all of these, but the one that I find now really useful, and this will be really useful as you progress and get into a more upper intermediate and advanced level of Spanish. It's uh, what I call my grammar bible. It's called A New Reference Grammar of Modern Spanish. Fifth edition, I think there is a sixth edition out now that I've seen. Uh, it's by John Butt and Carmen Benjamin, or Carmen Benjamin. And it says, compulsory reading for students at all levels. Um, I would disagree with that. Not at all levels. If you're at a beginner level, if you're at a, a B1, sorry, an A1, A2, and even B2 level, I wouldn't really recommend this book because it's, you know, it's about how many it's five it's nearly 600 pages super super detailed grammar book um it's going to be too much too overwhelming uh, at a at a lower level if you want to delve into grammar at a sort of a to b1 level i would suggest one of the collins uh, grammar books that are available they do a series of you know introducing spanish grammar but yeah a new reference grammar of modern spanish it is like the bible of for me bible of spanish grammar i always well very often refer to it uh, it's published by routledge and it's really useful i mean there's there's nothing really i've found that it doesn't have doesn't have exercises so it's, it's really a reference book i really recommend this book once you get up to a sort of upper intermediate and advanced level uh, it really helps iron out a lot of kind of questions that you have about spanish grammar uh, really good i'd really really love to hear any of your thoughts about how you're learning spanish how you plan to learn spanish and of course any other learning tips that you have that have helped you uh, on the language learning journey. Bueno, ya está. Voy a terminar ahora aquí con, con el podcast. Eh, estoy pensando en hacer 
un podcast en español, totalmente solo en español, para que os aprendáis un poquito más de español o no sé si es algo que podría hacer en el futuro a menudo, cada mes o cada dos meses, un episodio en español. Por favor, poneros en contacto conmigo si eso es algo que os queréis. Uh, get in touch if you would like to hear uh, an episode totally in Spanish. So we'll leave it there for this episode. Again, thank you for listening. Gracias por escucharme. And hasta luego.